0: based on our fear of death. And that's why it's also very important to understand because if we have a better view of what happens to the soul after life, it'll actually affect our everyday behavior and it'll help us. So if you thought that we're coming to a class on death, we're actually really going to be learning more about life, right? So, you know, when the word death comes to mind, if I could ask you guys, what, if you could give me one word, that comes to mind when you hear the word death what what exactly Welcome, robbie uh, if you had to say one word what would it be i guess i'll go uh, sasha i would say awkward awkward okay uh bronwyn no. uh, finality finality yeah. yeah sadness 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 okay katya and and uh, Robbie, welcome. If if uh, if you had to describe death in one word, what what would it be? Me? Yeah. Um. A new beginning. New beginning. Okay. We're already you're already getting to the end of the lesson. Now, voice
1: um, I I had it and I've gone and lost it. Um. I mean that might be what I mean. I had it and I've gone and lost it. Um. <laughs> Okay, good, good, good. Something like that. um, Something like um, um, freedom, or something like that. Or, yeah, freedom, or I was looking had another word before, like, yeah, evolution, freedom, freedom, or something like that.
0: Great. Welcome, Mark. So one of the things that a lot of people mentioned uh, is finality, or the end, right? Finish sadness, right? That's what a lot of times what we associate with. Death the, the, the word was liberation. liberation. The word I had was liberation. Liberation. So obviously, death, in a certain sense, is the end of one period and the start of a new period, right? That's that's pretty much the two sides that we're seeing here. On the one hand, it's the end of life as we know it, and and perhaps it's the start of a new period. And maybe that's why it's so it's so scary in a way because a lot of the or well, why people may find it scary is because a lot of the things that we go through in life, even the most difficult challenges, they all have an end. At least we think they'll have an end. We're dealing with COVID now, but we think that it'll stop at some point. Whereas death is basically, that's it. There's no, there's no coming back from that point. It is a marker. It's a, it's, it's a new stage in life. One thing stops and perhaps the next thing begins. And so in order to understand what is stopping and what is starting, uh, perhaps what we really need to do is we need to have a better understanding of who we are. And, 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 and what, what is life, who are we, and does it really end or does it really continue, or is it really a new stage? So uh, i it's obviously not a, I'm not telling you anything new. I hope for most of you that uh, in Jewish tradition, we have a soul, right? And obviously the soul is eternal, the soul lasts forever. But what is our relationship with the soul? How much of that is me? And what does that affect this conversation? So the first thing I wanna share with you is a little text from Rabbi Chaim Vital, who was uh, the great mystic who wrote down the teachings of his master, the Arizal. Um, And he tells us something very interesting about the soul. Um, Okay, I guess usually we go around and one person person reads. So Sasha, would you like to read uh, text two? Yes. Which is if you have a textbook in front of you, it's on page five, or you could read off the screen.
2: The wise are aware that the human body is not the human being. When we
0: speak of the human being, we are referring to the human inner dimension. The body is merely a garment in which the body is during its sojourn in this world. Right? So what does he say? The wise are aware that the body is not the human being. What is the human being? When we talk about you, who are you? You are not your body. You are your soul, right? Your body, in other words, is just a article of clothing, so to speak, for the soul. Who are you? What is What represents you? What represents you is the soul. What is the soul? What does it mean, the soul? If you can't touch it, what is the soul? So maybe this next little video meditation will help us get a bit of an idea of a feeling for soul. I'm going to mute everyone so that the sound is good um, and I'll share the next video.
2: Hi, this is Rabbi Tab. Welcome to a series of meditations for the course Journey of the Soul. The purpose of these meditations is going to be internalizing some of the deeper ideas that are a little bit difficult to grasp. And generally, we will try to do so by way of visualization, trying to picture symbols that represent some of the ideas and that we can focus on briefly so that we can begin to connect on a deeper level to these ideas. To begin with, the entire notion of life is a a challenging concept because it is so intangible. We're used to relating to things, to that which we can see, to that which we can touch. And life is completely intangible. How do we begin to relate to that which is unseeable, untouchable? How do we envision, how do we see the unseeable? So if you will, I'll ask you to begin right now, however uh, you're most comfortable doing so, close your eyes, keep your eyes open. Envision a musical instrument, a physical object, uh, let's say a piano made of wood and wires, something you can look at with your physical eyes, you can touch it with your physical hands, It's it's a physical object. Now, the piano is merely a thing. A person comes over to the piano, the pianist sits down, and begins playing. Playing a beautiful song. Now, this song stirs your soul. Try to hear it. Hear the music. Where is the song? Can you see it? Can you touch it? You can see and touch the piano. You can't see or touch the song. And now the song is over and the piano is standing there. If you'll open up the piano, will you find the song? Think now how everything in the world is matter and energy. The matter is the physical object that we see, the piano. The energy is the intangible, the song. We'll take a half a minute now to try to think of ourselves in these terms. Think of your body as the instrument, the physical object that can be seen, that can be touched. And think of the life you live as the song that is being played through the instrument. We'll take half a minute right now to see and hear the piano and the song, the body and the soul.
0: So who are you, right? Who are you? You are soul. You are the soul. You're not the body. You're the soul. You're the energy. You're the life force that is within that. And in a sense, the body and the soul are two separate beings that are brought together when you're born. But they're actually two distinctly separate entities that only work hand in hand for the entire period of your lifetime. But the body, is one creation, and the soul is another creation. We're going to look now at a, at two verses from Genesis, which speak about the creation of man and the creation of animals. And I'm going to ask you when we finish uh, if you complete if you notice a difference in the way that they are that they were created. Um, okay, um, we'll move along. Um, Maybe Brahman, do you want to read about how God formed the human? And then Daryl, how, uh, no pun intended, but how God formed uh, the animals? Okay. No. <laughs> Which
3: one's to
4: read?
0: The first text no. on the left, if you'd like to read it. Okay.
4: God formed the human of soil from the earth and breathed into his nostrils a neshama soul of life, and the human being became a living being.
0: God said, Let the earth bring forth. Living beings of differing species, cattle, creeping things, and the beasts of the earth according to their species, and it was so right. Does anyone notice a difference between the way God formed man and the way God formed the animals?
4: Yeah, with breath, humans.
0: Humans with breath. Okay, it doesn't say the breath by breath by the animals. Anything else?
3: But the breath. The breath came from God, so the humans have part of God in them because it's the breath of God.
0: Right, breath of God. Anything else?
4: Well, we're. It says we're living being. um, Doesn't really say anything like that about animals. Oh, living beings. Mm -hmm.
0: Daryl. Can't, can't see the can see the left hand one, Robot, but you covered the. I covered the other
4: one. on the animals.
0: So um, now do see it? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a glitch. Um, okay. <sighs> so just, when 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 it comes to the man, man, it said God formed the man, soil from the earth, and then He breathed the neshama into it. When it comes to the animals, it says, bring up the animals and they were living beings. In other words, by man, the body and the soul were created separately and joined together. By animals, it doesn't say that they don't have a soul. They have a soul. They are living beings. But by them, the body and the soul were created hand in hand. What this tells us, at least when it comes to to man, is that our soul is is an entity unto itself nothing to do with the body, right? The soul existed and the body existed, and then they were merged together to make man. They're two separate entities. And so what follows then is the next text that we're going to read, right? If the body and the soul are two separate entities that are joined together in the act of creation. In fact, we even say, uh, we say a special blessing every morning. We say, oh, maflila. So God does wonders. That wonder that we're talking about is the wonder how he joins together our body and our soul. So if they're two separate entities, what follows, therefore, is that even when the body dies, right, after 120, as we traditionally say, the soul, which existed before the body was created, will also continue afterwards, right, quite obviously. Let's just take a look at the, uh, the text from the Chizkuni. Um, Katya, would you like to read text 3C? Um,
4: God did what he had not done with any other creature. He blew into Adam with his Holy Spirit and a Shammah that is immortal and does not perish when the body do- does.
0: Right, and a Shammah which is immortal and does not perish. It is a separate entity. We have an Shammah within us, which is its own entity. Let, let take for, imagine for a moment, let's say somebody has a coat. Right, You have a coat and use the coat to express who you are. Let's say it's a doctor's coat, Right, it shows who you are. You express yourself through your coat. But then after many, many years, the coat gets ruined, the coat gets dirty, the coat gets holes and it's no longer fit for purpose. So then you take the coat and you hang it up on the shelf and you're done with it. Did you change in any way? Obviously not. You didn't change in any way. It's the same you that was there before, the same you that was after. No, the only difference is that you're no longer wearing that doctor's coat. The same thing is when it comes to the body and the soul. The body and the soul are two separate things. And therefore, death does not affect the soul at all, really. Soul existed before death, and the soul continues after death. Body and the soul are two separate beings, and death doesn't affect it at all. It continues the way it existed before it continues to exist afterwards in other words you continue forever right but let's let's take that another step let's take that a step further clear i don't have any questions on that all right okay this is not so this is already not so fantastic many of us know that the jewish belief we have a soul but the the, the added point over here is that you are the soul and you don't change when you die let's move on to text 4 we're going to move on a bit deeper and we're going to learn more about what is the soul before and after you die? What is the soul's outlook on coming into the world? I'm going to share with you, uh, oh, welcome Mark. I see you joined us. We're um, going to share, welcome Mark. Hi, Rabbi. How are you? All right. I'm going uh, to. Sh- good. You're doing good. Okay, good. Uh, I'm going to share the next text. Which tells us a very fascinating medrash about the soul before it comes into the body. Um, and uh, Robbie, you read. Am I covering it on your computer?
3: Forty days. I'm fine. I can see it. Okay. Forty days before the conception of a child, God summons the angel in charge of souls and tells him, "Bring before me a certain soul that, that is now in paradise." Its name is such and such, and its appearance is such and such. This is possible because all the souls that are born in this world were created on the day the world was created and exist until the end of time. The angel goes and brings the soul before God. The soul bows and prostrates itself before the supreme king of kings. God instructs the soul, please enter the seminal drop it is currently uh, please enter the scene in drop that is currently in the hands of the angel in charge of pregnancy. The soul protests, Master of the Universe, I am quite satisfied with the world I inhabited since the day you created me. I am holy and pure, hewn from your throne of glory. Why do you wish to cause me to enter this putrid drop?
0: Okay, right. So not only did the soul exists before, but the soul is actually uninterested. And coming down, he's quite happy in heaven. Heaven is uh, the soul enjoys its time up in heaven and isn't actually interested in coming down into this world. A similar idea we see in the next text. Uh, Moish, could you read text five? You like to read, which is on page 10. Are you there, Moish?
1: Yeah, can you hear me?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, Preparing in the Corridor. Yeah, from we P- P- the world.
0: It's this from Ethics of Our Fathers.
1: Uh, from Ethics of the, from P- Yeah. A six chapter work on Jewish ethics that is studied widely by Jewish communities, especially during the summer. The first five chapters are from the Mishnah, the Tractate Avot. Avot differs from the rest of the Mishnah in that it does not focus on legal subjects, it's a collection of the sages wisdom on topics related to character development, ethics, healthy living, piety and the study of Torah. This world is like a corridor before the world to come. Prepare yourself in the corridor so that you may enter the palace. A single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of this world.
0: Right? So it comes out from these two texts, right? This text is basically saying that the world is only a preparation chamber to go into heaven. Heaven is where it's at for the soul. Down here is only a time for the soul to prepare. It's not actually interested. So what follows is not only the soul unaffected by death and the soul continues afterwards, but actually the soul is not really interested in life. The soul is happier before it comes down, and the soul enjoys itself much, much more after it goes into heaven, right? And so there's definitely not much to fear, so to speak, about where your soul is going to go, because your soul is, in a way, going home. Your soul is going to where it wants to be the whole time. Now, lest you think that that means that, therefore, in Judaism, uh, we take death very lightly, and we don't think it's important to preserve life, obviously... You all know, and many of you will know that Judaism is a religion of life, right? Many people wear a high necklace. The highest value in Judaism is keeping people alive, right? Somebody, it says somebody who saves a life is as if they saved the entire world. We do not take death lightly. There are other religions that take this outlook that the soul is eternal and the soul continues to live on. And therefore, they believe that death is not something to be mourned uh death is uh death is actually celebrated in some communities because they believe oh the soul is back where it means it needs to be judaism does not believe in that outlook we do mourn death so why right in fact not only do we believe that life is of utmost importance we even put life before the torah right as we see in uh, this text over here from maimonides that when it comes to a question of life or keeping a mitzvah life is more important than keeping a mitzvah um uh, where are we have mark would you like to read this text if a non-jew attempts to force a jew to violate one of the torah's commandments at the pain of death the jew should violate the commandment rather than be killed because the torah states concerning the mezvot A person shall do them and live by them. Leviticus 18.5 One should live by them and not die because of them. Right. In other words, when we have a question of keeping a mitzvah, for example, when it comes to, if it's a question of keeping Shabbat or saving somebody's life by doing a medical procedure, which would save their life, we obviously desecrate the Shabbat, right? Life comes before even mitzvot, which If you think about it, why does that make sense? If we said that the soul is eternal, right, and the soul is will live forever and the body dies anyways, then if you have a question of the soul's occupation versus the body's occupation, the soul should come first. The mitzvah should come first before the body. But nevertheless, we put the body first, right? Robbie, you have a question?
3: Yeah, just want to confirm. When you say life comes before the mitzvah, This applies to non-Jewish life as well, does it?
0: Yeah.
3: Or just Jewish life?
0: It applies also in a case that that it's needed. It applies to non-Jewish life as well.
1: Okay. thanks.
0: Um, Right. So why is that now if you're not not sufficiently confused, um, let's take a look at the end of the previous text that we read before, which again show us this very nuanced Jewish approach. Um, Continuing on with what happens when God tries to get the soul to come to the body. Um, Gil, is that Gil Papacho? Um, Would you like to read this text on the screen? Okay. We'll go back to uh, Sasha. God hurries to reassure the descending sun, the world to which I'm bringing you will prove more beneficial than the one you presently inhabit. Indeed, I form you exclusively from the purpose of creating mortal life from this particular drop of seed. With that, God forcibly installs the soul. Right? So God tells the soul, I formed you for the purpose of going into the body, right? And it'll be more beneficial than your present life. And similarly, also that previous text from Ethics of Our Fathers, which said that one Mois, you had a question.
1: Yeah, well, actually, I mean, it's not quite to do this. It's probably something to do a little way back. I'm a little bit confused. or maybe I missed out the the the, the dots, the link from one to the other. I'm a little bit confused about the um, the all these souls are up there in heaven. All these souls, and um, whether where that package of souls uh, originated from, that that part of it, you know. Um, I, I, I got. I, I was clear when we talked about the bit about breathing into the uh, man was created out of the earth and breathing right. into that. But somewhere uh, along the story, there, there's a whole lot bunch of souls up there, which are in eternity, and then they're having discussions with God. They don't want to go with their angels of God or whatever. They don't want to go yeah. into and um, Into the this- souls.
0: The souls were created from from the beginning of creation.
1: So the, Where does that? I can't remember where you talked about that. First of all, it does was mean-
0: a, it was a bit of the Midrash which speaks about how God is trying to get the convince the soul to come down. And here we're reading the end. God tells them that'll be more beneficial for you to come down here. Did
1: you, did you have? A, did you did you present a, a, um, some, some a paragraph or two yeah, it was on a that? A paragraph. I'll share
0: with you afterwards from the madras. I
1: missed that. Okay.
0: Similarly, also that piece from the Ethics of Our Fathers, which said that the one minute in the world to come is more pleasurable than this entire life, also ends off in the opposite. And it says, uh, a single moment of repentance and of good deeds in this world is greater than all the world to come, right? So let me ask you, what is going on here, right? On the one hand, we say that the soul is eternal, the soul goes into heaven, and that's where it wants to be. It never wanted to come down here. It's more blissful than every moment in life. And on the other hand, we say that saving a life comes before the entire Torah, and we say that God tells the soul that coming into the world is more beneficial than all your time up here. And we say that one minute in this world is greater than all the world to come. What is going on? Anyone have any, any solutions? Anyone?
1: Yeah, I do. Okay. Moish, what? Um, I'm still, I'm still audible. Um, well, it I think it's to do with, maybe, I don't know if it was Hillel or someone who said, um, related to this, it said that, you know, um, um all uh one met one moment in in heaven is worth all time to- all the moments you all the time you've on earth one moment in heaven is spent all, which we you mentioned earlier, right, we quoted that, yeah. but on the other hand he also said one moment spent well correctly on earth is worth all the time in heaven
0: right that's our question why what is that how do you how do you explain that
1: um um Um, the the explanation is not necessary that's just how it is
0: okay you could go you can i'll try to give an explanation all right so while it's true that the soul is happy in heaven the soul loves heaven the soul wants to go back to heaven and it's fine with going back to heaven (laughs) nevertheless the soul comes down into this world because it knows that its mission the mission in this world is Where it's at. This is where it can make a difference. This is where this is the purpose of the entire creation. Not only it's where the soul can make a difference, right? When the soul is in heaven, it can't make a difference. Only when it comes down is where you can make a difference, where you could change things. In heaven, you're floating along. It's spiritual, it's blissful, it's enjoyable, but you're not making a change. Not only is it important for the soul to come down, that's actually the entire purpose of creation, right? God made all the spiritual worlds and everything for this physical world. Uh, we say that God wanted a physical space, which is dark, and it's difficult, and that we should come above the fray and we should make the world a better place. This is where it's at. This is where we can do that. In heaven, you can't do that. So while the soul prefers to be in heaven, it comes down into earth, and earth is where it makes a difference. You know, they say the story of the great Chose of Lublin, who was a, a mystic, and uh, one time after, at the end of Yom Kippur, he told the students Today I went up into heaven and I saw there what all of you were praying for. In fact, anyone who has the 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 uh, who's brave enough to 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 volunteer, I will tell you what you were praying for today. So one student comes before his master and he says, Rabbi, tell me what I was praying for. So he says, I know what you were praying for. Today you prayed to God that you should have it easy materially, you should have all the money you need and all the health you need, so that you could spend all day and all night studying Torah and doing mitzvot. And so the student said, yes, yes. And what was the answer in heaven? So I heard the angels as they were bringing up your request to God, they were all laughing because they said, if God wanted to have you live an angelic life, he could have kept you up here. Right? He didn't send you into the world to have a blissful life and it'll be easy for you to do mitzvot. Right? He could have kept you up here. We come down into the world to make a difference. And that's actually not only the purpose of our coming into the world, but it's also the purpose of the entire creation. Uh, let's take a look at the next text, um, God created the universe on condition. If Jews accept the Torah, he told the university will continue to exist. If not, I will to return you to nothingness, right? In other words, the entire purpose of the world is for us to do good deeds down here. And if we're not doing good deeds down here, then there's no purpose to all of it. Uh, let's say you have a person that's engaged to get married, right? And they hire a hall and they hire a band and they hire a caterer. And then right before the wedding, they break it off, right? Does he have any reason to have any of this? Does he go ahead and make a party? Some people might, but most, right, wouldn't uh, because the whole thing has no purpose. Similarly, God has a whole party in heaven, so to speak. It's all beautiful. It's all wonderful, but that's all the preparation for the good deeds that happen down here. And so the soul, in a sense, is very confused. The soul is confused, right? On the one hand, The soul wants to be in heaven. That's where it's connected to God. That's where it has a blissful spiritual life. But on the other hand, it knows that its job is to be down here. It's almost like somebody who goes to take on a new job, right? Let's say you were very comfortable in your old job and you know where everything is and you know everyone there, but then you're offered opportunity, a place where you'll have greater opportunities where you'll be able to grow, but you don't know anyone there. You don't know what it's going to be like. It's scary. You're scared, but you do it anyways. The same thing is when it comes to the soul soul enjoys its time in heaven and a, and, a, and, a, and it's happy to go back there but it knows that coming down here is where it's going to make a difference uh as a, the very a very interesting text text 10 um right i don't remember where we are but i guess i'll just read against your will you are formed and against your will you are born against your will you live and against your will you die right the soul before coming down doesn't want to come down because it's scared. Life in heaven is beautiful. It's enjoyable. It's blissful. He knows that he needs to go down. God is telling him that it's going to be better for him, but it's scary. But then once we come down here and we experience life and making a difference, we don't really want to go. But even when we have to go, in a sense, it's not scary. And this is the beautiful nuanced approach that we have in Judaism. On the one hand, life is of tantamount importance. Life is where it's at. We don't we look to enhance life and increase life and keep it going for as long as possible because this is where we make a difference but on the other hand a death is not a prospect necessarily that should be scary because it's just the soul continuing on to another another place in a sense it's going home to where it really wants to be it continues to live uh, forever in heaven and and um, all right. this explains uh, a very interesting, the, 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 there's a beautiful story that connects with us, we'll read a story from the previous Lubavitcher ever, the sixth Labavitcher ever who was uh, very, he was imprisoned and in Russia, many times for spreading Judaism, and he writes about one of his interrogations with the Jeppe'u, which is the forerunner of the uh, KGB. Um, Robbie, could, would you like to read?
3: I arrived for interrogation at the offices of the Soviet GPU. However, in keeping with my principles, I was not very cooperative. One of the interrogators raised a revolver and then sat on the desk before him. He looked me in the eye and mockingly said, This small toy has incredible powers. It causes principles to melt away. It opens mouths. Under its spell, it mutes have become talkative. I responded, You're quite mistaken. That toy only has an effect on faint-hearted non-believers, those with one word and multiple gods. We, on the other hand, have one god and two words. As such, I don't panic at the sight of your toy. It has no effect on me whatsoever.
0: Right. So obviously the previous rabbi wanted to live. He understood the value of his mission on earth. He understood that life is the most important in Judaism. But nevertheless he wasn't afraid of the prospect of death because he knew that it would just be another stage his soul would continue to live and continue to enjoy it wasn't a prospect that made him fearful similarly we'll also be able to understand a very interesting piece of the talmud which discusses rabbi yehuda anasi when he was on his uh, deathbed uh, daryl and brahman would you like to read
3: When Rabbi Judah, the prince, fell ill
0: and lay on his deathbed, Rabbi Hia entered and found him weeping. My master, exclaimed Rabbi Hia, why do you weep? Was it not taught? If one dies smiling, it is a good sign for him. While weeping, it is a bad sign for him. Rabbi Judah replied, I weep because of my inability to study the Torah and observe the commandments after death. Hmm. That is interesting if you ask me. What type of question is it? Why are you weeping? Right? You're walking into a person on his deathbed and you ask him, why are you weeping? Isn't that insensitive? Why are you weeping? But obviously, according to everything we explained, it makes sense. A rabbi and the caliber of Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, his student could not understand why are you crying? Why are you afraid of death? What, what, what's bothering you? Your soul is going to go up into heaven. You're going to have Gan and You're going to have eternal bliss. Why are you crying? What are you afraid of? Isn't it a bad sign for a person, in other words, that they're fearful that they're going to be punished? or so? why, why are you crying? And he said, I'm not crying because I'm afraid of death. I'm not crying because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me. I'm crying because I'm going to miss my chance to make a difference in this world. And that's a beautiful, very beautiful, nuanced approach. And, you know, in some religions you have, they're very obsessed with death. Death is some scary thing, you know. In America, I come from America, we have a whole, a whole month where we just like worry about how horrible death is, right? And in other religions you have that, they, that death is, is celebrated, right? You know, you have a, a, the Radvaz. Was the great? Uh, he lived in in the Muslim countries. He writes about how they believe that any sign of warning was was tantamount to heresy. What do you mean? The soul lives on, but in Judaism we have this beautiful nuanced approach where death is not something to be feared, but on the other hand we want to continue living. Yeah, Moish, your your hand um, is
1: up. Regarding the last part, the last paragraph or couple yeah. of sentences of that um, that page, um, you added in. Um, about, you know, he's weeping because he, um, he's not going to be given the chance to make a difference. I mean, what's written there, um, it says about, um, I've got to take my hand away, let me see. To, to,
0: to study the Torah and observe <laughs> the commandments.
1: It says, um, um, and to observe the commandments after death. Um, I assume, I'm assuming here the commandments are implicitly or explicitly um, say, make a difference.
0: No, in a, the soul. Can, the commandments are all meant to be done in the physical world. Yeah. All the commandments speak to the physical reality.
1: Because you talked about, you know, I, I, is that the rabbi saying uh, the rabbi was meaning that uh, I won't be able to make a difference.
0: Right, the commandments make a difference. That's yeah. the way that we make a difference.
1: And uh, say, say it again. Sorry.
0: The commandments are the way that we make a difference. Right. That's how uh, we make the world a better place.
1: And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite understanding that.
0: Okay, that's an old conversation. Um,
1: Okay.
0: Okay, okay. right, so clear, all good. Well, just one last final point. Um, One more point. So we discussed how our view on, on death and Judaism can affect, in other words, our fear, or it's not something we're necessarily afraid of, it's something that we, we understand what, where it goes. We'll discuss more what exactly happens and how it plays out in later lessons. But one last point that I want to bring out that will tell us also how our view on what happens to the soul can also affect our daily life and how we live a life today. And that is a very interesting one-liner from the Talmud, which tells us that after the demise, tzaddikim, righteous people, are referred to as being alive they're still called alive now let me ask you what does it mean what would you say it means that the righteous even after they die are still called alive
4: is it a legacy that they leave behind
0: the legacy that they leave behind right that could be Uh, i mean that would really apply to anyone though right like auntie bertha's legacy lives in our heart right one can say Uh, you know everyone lives a legacy maybe the righteous leave a greater legacy but yeah, it could be. I mean, that's one way of understanding. We're, we're going to have a bit of a deeper one. Any others?
3: The soul is still alive.
0: The soul is still alive. Yeah, but but then why 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 specifically the righteous? It's everyone, right? Why the righteous are still alive? Everyone's still alive. The soul is still alive. What does it mean the righteous are still alive?
4: Did Any they make other a bigger ideas? impact?
0: Huh? The impact, their legacy, because they it. made. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh, we discussed that the soul, right, continues to live forever, right? The soul goes into heaven. But what about all of the parts of us that have to do with bodily functions? The food we like to eat, the physical enjoyments and co- creature, co- you know, the, 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 the creature comforts that we all have. What about all those things? Do those things continue with us when we pass? Obviously not, right? When we go, when we pass, anything that's connected to a bodily function, anything which is uh, selfish or self-serving or, 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 or physical enjoyment, obviously does not continue with us when we pass on. The only things that continue with us are the things that are related to the soul, things that are selfless, things that are connected with our godly soul, things that are connected with God. And so, that's what it means that tzaddikim don't really pass on. Because, uh, yes, your soul continues to live, but who are you? Are you, who do you identify with? Do you identify with your soul? With your eternal soul? Or do you identify more with the parts of you that have to do with the physical reality in which you live. And if a person identifies more with the physical reality in which they live, then obviously that does in a sense end. Yes, you continue, yes, your soul goes on, but so a lot of what you live with on a daily basis ends. Whereas the righteous, the righteous who their entire day and every moment of the day is connected with something spiritual, with the matters of spirit, then they never really die, nothing really changes. They're completely they as we knew them before their passing continue to live after their passing uh let's take a look at this text from the tanya from the altar katya would you like to read uh, text 14.
4: the life of the tzaddik righteous person is not corporeal but spiritual consisting of faith reverence and love of god this reality is reflected in the following passages of faith it is stated The tzaddik lives by his faith. Of reverence it is stated, reverence of God produced life. Of love it is stated, he who pursues charity and kindness will find life. And kindness is rooted in love.
0: Right. So their life, even while they're alive, is eternal. And therefore nothing really changes when they die. And this leads us to a point. Which is that while maybe we're not all on that level that we don't all live our entire day with eternal values with things that don't die when the when the body dies, but nevertheless we have that ability to choose. How much we want to integrate things into our life which have eternal value just going to show a short music video which uh, brings out this point Uh, i'll uh, mute everyone and uh, share this video.
2: Eighth Day is a popular Hasidic rock band. One of their hits was inspired by a powerful episode in the life of the second leader of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Dovber of Meserich.
5: A student goes to visit a sage and the sage has nothing in his house. he says, where's your couches, where's your chandelier? And uh, he says back to the student, where's all your stuff? You just have a suitcase. And the student responds, But I'm just passing through. And that's when the sage says, Aha, I'm just like you. I'm
2: also just passing through. To his student's assertion, Rabbi Dovber responded with a transformative insight. And that's when he said,
5: I'm just like you. I'm just passing through, just like you. My heart. that's real. And my mind hopes to find treasures of another kind. And if you had my eyes, you'd see a palace for you and me. This world is temporary. Where people spend most of their life collecting stuff. And the sage tells them, I'm actually just like you. I also collect stuff. It's just not that type of stuff. Not leather couches and chandeliers, I collect treasures of another kind. You know, he stays focused on that higher goal.
2: Rabbi Dovber taught his students that this world's glitter is a distraction that expires when the journey of corporeality chugs to an abrupt end. Better to invest in treasures of a kind that will benefit the soul in its eternal destination.
5: Just passing through, just like you. My heart wants to feel something that's real, and my mind hopes to find treasures of another kind. And if you had my eyes, you'd see a palace for you and me. And my heart something that's real and my mind hopes to find treasures of another kind and if you had my eyes you'd see a palace for you and me a palace for you and me okay um
0: Thank you for joining me for that alternative learning experience. I'd be curious to hear afterwards your feedback on what learning through music is, but uh, anyways. The point is that the soul, right? The soul comes into this world, but it was here before and it was there afterwards. And it comes to the world and experience the physical body in order to make a difference. But obviously when it comes together with the body, there are a lot of bodily functions that we get involved in, right? There's it, a glove, it's, it's it's a match, they work together, and we get brought into a lot of things that the body finds important, but all of those things end, and so we have a choice. In other words, do we want to fill our time with things that will will live forever with, that will continue forever, or do we want to fill our time with things that will die? Do we want to fill, you know, what's your return on investment? Are you Are are you investing in something which has an expiration date, or are you investing in something which is, is really life, right? In other words, all the matters of the physical are, in a sense, connected to death. That's what the explanation says in the Torah. God tells the Jewish people, I put before you life and death. Choose life. What is God telling them? Choose life. Obviously, you have to be stupid to choose death. But that's what it means. It doesn't mean choose life or death. It means there are things that are connected to life, eternal life, and there are things that are connected to death. And it's up to you to choose which one you want. Uh, Robbie, would you like to read text um, 15? I think this will be our last text for tonight.
3: Behold, I have set before you today life and goodness, death and evil. Choose life. The term life in this verse does not refer to corporeal life, nor does death refer to the result of the soul's departure, for which Simpleton needs to be instructed to choose to live. Rather, each creation, while alive and fully existent, contains both life and death. The physicality of the object is intrinsically lifeless. It is in a constant state of decline and deterioration. We observe this decline in every physical object as well as in ourselves. Our physical capabilities and powers weaken with time. By contrast, the spiritual and divine within each thing is alive, eternal, and not subject to destruction or deterioration, God forbid.
0: Right. So it's up to us. At every moment in the day, we have that choice. What are we going to use this moment for? We're going to use this moment with, for something that we're going to take with us forever, right? Even when you leave a legacy, right? When you leave a legacy, that legacy continues for one generation, two generations, three generations, four generations. But when you invest in something soulful, something which, which your neshama, which your eternal soul connects to, that goes with you forever. You take it with you to heaven and it continues forever. Um, and so obviously it's not an either or. We're not all going to be righteous people that our whole days. but we can have things, parts of us. The more we invest in that, the more it continues with us, eternity versus things that we only have for a certain amount of time. and uh, So just to sum up the points that we that we discussed tonight, uh, we discussed that we have a our eternal soul, right? Our neshama, And our Nishama continues forever. Our Nishama was before the body and the Nishama continues after the body. It continues forever. The Nishama is happy in heaven. That's where it wants to be, that's where it was. And the Nishama only comes down into this world in order to do mitzvot, in order to do good deeds, and in order to make a difference. And therefore, that gives us a very beautiful, nuanced Jewish approach, which is life is the most important thing. Life is what we always look to preserve because that is what the purpose of creation is for. This is where we can make a difference. But on the other hand, we're not afraid of death, and death is not a scary prospect because the soul is going to a wonderful place. And more about where it goes and what it goes, we'll be discussing, especially next week, we'll be discussing exactly what happens to the soul right after death and the customs. Mm-hmm what's its connection to the body then, et cetera. That's going to be the main focus of next week. And then later we'll talk about reincarnation and all those other things. And finally, in our last point, we made the point that if the soul continues on forever, but that's only obviously certain parts of the soul, it's the spiritual aspects of the soul. That's what continues forever. And therefore we have a choice every day and every moment. What do we want to invest in? Do we want to invest in things that have an expiration date or do we want to invest in things that will continue with our soul forever? and for all uh, eternity. Um, I mean, I'll just end off with one, one cute story that uh, sticks with me from when I was a child. Uh, is there was once a very poor man and he needed to make money for his family. And he heard that on, on the other side of the ocean there's an island which is full of gold and diamonds. Sand is diamonds, the streets are paved in gold. And his wife said, you know what? Go on a ship and go find your way there. And hopefully you'll come back with some money. Anyways, he goes on his way, and eventually, actually, the ship, the, 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 the ship gets shipwrecked, but one day, he wakes up, and he's on the island, and he notices that under his feet is sand. It's not sand. It's diamond. He picks up the diamonds, and he fills his pockets with the diamonds. He comes into town, and he goes into a restaurant, and he's excited. He's a rich man. He orders the best meal in town. Comes time to pay. He tries to give them the diamonds. He say, diamonds, that's not worth anything. That's the sand under our feet. We trade over here in schmaltz. I don't know if you know what schmaltz is but it's uh, it's fat that's that is the that is the gold of, of, of this town the schmaltz anyways he did he didn't have any money so he had to work in the restaurant for a while until he became a very rich man he had a whole chain of restaurants he was extremely wealthy finally he realized it's time for him to go home so he wants to bring all his wealth with him he packs all the schmaltz into the into the boats and he heads home and when he gets home obviously I don't know if you know fat but it spoils by the time he gets home it all spoils and he gets home and ask him what what happened to you what are you coming with the schmaltz he said where i came from schmaltz was the most valuable thing no schmaltz schmaltz was worthless and then he rummages in his pockets and he finds those diamonds that he collected on the first day that he that he uh, landed on the island and find, it was enough diamonds to make him a rich man but obviously he could have been much much richer if he would have invested in taking not getting distracted but actually taking the gold and silver the same thing is the soul the soul is in heaven and the soul comes down to it to make a difference to collect diamonds to collect etern- things of eternal value but obviously we all get a bit distracted that's the nature of the world right the world around us is focused on different things uh but let's try the more we are the less we are distracted and the more we focus on collecting things that have eternal value the more alive we will remain forever um that is my, uh, anyways, thank you for joining us. If anyone has any questions, comments, or I'm, I'm still here, you're welcome to ask any more questions. And um, yeah, let us know if you, whoever didn't register, if you want to get notifications, et cetera, about the coming lessons, uh, let me know. Moish, I see your hand is up. Moish, you need to unmute.
1: I'm, okay, hi. Um, right. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to have a link for the for the band. It was great. The band? Yes, definitely. I'll send you the link. I'd love to have a, a link for that band. It was
0: really great. They are great. They, they, I'll, if I'll send you can get link a link to this that this video, but They are great. Any other I'd questions? I'd love, love to
1: follow them. I think they were super.
0: They are super and their messaging is this is just one of their songs so they have a oh, lot yeah. of songs with very I've got, deep mystical
1: meanings. Huh? i got, got another comment if I may. You have a what? I've got another comment if I may. Yes. I have another another comment if I may. Yes, yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, I just want to mention if yeah. anyone else do not have any more comment. comments,
0: you're, you're welcome to go or you could stay. It's, it's up to you. We finished the official... Uh, um,
1: don't feel rude if if you want to go. Voice. Uh, um, I, I must tell you, I really loved um, the discussion about what a tzaddik is and um, what a what a tzaddik is all about. Mm-hmm. I really loved that. I think that's a great topic to explore. Yeah, I, I think it's. It's it's a wonderful topic. But I remember correctly, Tzadik, we're going what the to the meaning we're of all that is um, and, uh, next
0: week but I don't Or well, one of the weeks we talk more about that topic of the uh, everlasting life.
1: Yeah. Any anything else? Because most people most people are not uh, uh, do not follow the way of the Sadik. Most right. normal ordinary people for whatever reason are not following the way of the Sadik. But it sounds to me when you put your finger on that you put your finger on something very, very important.
0: Right. Great. Um, anything else? Okay. All right.
3: Hey, thank oh, you very
0: much. Still- yes, Robbie.
3: Thank you very much. It was very thank good, you. very enjoyable. Shall leave now. Thank you
0: so much.
2: Great. Thank you, Very, Thanks, Rabbi. very good.
0: Good Good Bye, Brian. Thank you, come Thank you. Sky, thank you. Bye,
3: Goodbye,
1: Bye-bye. We can speak later, Rabbi. Yes, definitely.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye.